2: And I'm Uncle Mark Olmstead.
1: And oh man, do we have a great show in store for you today. Our guest is someone we've been following, learning from, and inspired by for quite some time now.
2: Before we get started, though, we want to thank Sharon Hurley-Hall for being with us last week. Her open, honest, awesome conversation about freelancing as well as her experiences with racism were eye-opening and powerful. So be sure to check out that show.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. Today, we're here with Jeffrey Van Dyke. If you haven't heard of him yet, and you're in business, or you want to be, you're gonna be really glad you're here with us today. Really glad. (laughs) Jeffrey is the founder of The Courageous Messenger, where he helps practitioners and executives become recognized thought leaders. He's been working with established and emerging messengers around the globe for over 20 years, helping them answer their bigger calling and create what he calls the work only you can do. His specialty is crafting truly unique messages and marketing for this work so leaders can have the kind of impact they're called to make. Jeffrey's done some interesting stuff over the years, including bringing purpose-based coaching to Israel and working with business and political leaders in Colombia to help heal the core wounds of the country after a half decade of fighting with the guerrillas. While at Microsoft, he designed speaker training systems for world-changing leaders like Peter Jennings, Bill Gates, former French President Jacques Chirac, and former Prime Minister of Israel, Ariel Sharon. Welcome, Jeffrey.
2: Welcome,
3: welcome. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here.
1: Man, I I kind of wish we had an applause. It is.
2: That's what we need to do. (laughs) Something. This this is this is such an honor, man. And and we've been just so appreciating your work and being a part of your webinars and getting to know you through them and to actually be able to spend some time with you personally is is a real a real treat for both of us. So thank you for being here. Yeah, glad to be here.
1: so tell us a little bit about the work you really do. Uh, what What is it that you do, really? <laughs>
4: <laughs> What's the thing you do? Right. Uh, I
3: mean, we kind of know, but yep, how would you yep, describe it? Yep, yep. Um, everybody I work with has a deep sense of calling. Uh, you know, that time, some place in their life when something tapped them on the heart and said, hey, there's a thing for you to do. Uh, and for a lot of the people I work with that came as a surprise, (laughs) you know, they weren't looking for it. Uh, it didn't fit their life plan. Uh, it definitely didn't fit their picture of how life was going to be. Uh, but it, it happens, you know, and once it happens, like you just can't take it back. It just grows and grows with insistency until you just kind of say, uncle, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, you're,
1: you're describing <laughs> us, right? Sure. I, like- <laughs> I,
3: I didn't know I was going to get a life story out of this. That's That's right. I love this. this awesome. Speaking of story, Great. uh, you know, and, and it's incredibly disorienting, mm-hmm. um, at first we got to make sense out of what the heck is this feeling? Cause it's not intellectual when it comes, we have to make sense out of it to put it into our head and figure out how to make sense out of it and do something with it in the world. But when it comes, it's not intellectual. It is a stirring. It's a feeling. Uh, it's a sense. Uh, and, and in usually you know, uh, it starts with a sense of dissatisfaction around something before it starts with a sense of direction. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, a push, a right? Push he, instead of a pull. Like, yeah, like this isn't it anymore. I mean, yeah. when I was at Microsoft, uh, I, I had a pretty good gig going on. Um, and uh, it, like, I just, the last couple of years, I just couldn't do it anymore if you know what I mean like it just didn't inspire me I uh my heart wasn't in it I started making stupid mistakes mistakes I would have never made earlier in my career and with the caliber of people I was working with mistakes weren't really an option um you know uh so it sends you on this beginning quest of looking around for uh You know, what, why is this not fueling me anymore? And what do I need to do about it? Uh, And that's usually the beginning of this search, this journey of there's something more. Um, Now, that's just kind of archetypal for anybody who has a calling. My particular people uh, are people that are, that usually happened many years before they got to me, sometimes as little as like three. Uh, but sometimes 20, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, usually by the time they get to me, they've gone deep enough into the quest to go, okay, I have a sense of what this thing is. Um, and well, really, there's, there's kind of people in two camps for me. Usually it's executives who usually show up about three, four years after this happened. Mm. Uh, and those are folks saying, I'm here to be a voice of change for this industry Mm -hmm. or, uh, for, you know, like, so I have a client right now in Germany who, uh, was a executive at multinational financial firms. And she's in, in, in this time, especially going, Hey, I'm supposed to help change our economic system. And she's worked in multiple countries at the highest level of finance. So she's somebody who can do that kind of systemic change. Mm-hmm. And uh, is having, you know, but then there's this question about how do I do it? What's my message? Mm-hmm. Uh, who do I need to get in front of? Uh, and underneath all that, there's, and who am I to be the one to do it?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's the deeper leadership journey. Well you uh,
1: you're describing us I mean, okay so true.
2: yeah, so you <laughs> you work with them do you work also work with like the lowly you know radio podcast <laughs> the starter entrepreneur, the entrepreneur that, that, yeah. that uh the dreamer. and what would you say to someone in in her position i'm I'm just this is <laughs> like wow
3: <laughs> yeah so here's here's what I know for sure uh to to have an oprah moment here for for a second <laughs> um. Our life's journeys, our life stories have crafted each and every one of us as the perfect person to live our life's calling. And I don't care who you are. and I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done with your life or haven't done with your life. Your journey has given you everything you need for your calling and your calling doesn't happen before it's time. Mm. Right? That's the hard one. That yeah, tap only right. comes because of the life you've already lived. This is, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready to go on this journey. You've picked up the requisite experiences, the requisite skills, uh, the requisite heart. And failures? You're on this journey. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's largely failures. Um, uh-huh. You know, and, and, and let me speak to failure for a minute because... Different people experience it in different ways. For some people, I think the failure bit is overt and obvious. Like, oh, my life was a shit show, right? My life. <laughs> like, holy crap. <laughs> to coin a term. That. Right. right. To coin a term to be, uh, uh, yeah, to use the best of English language. We, um, we do
1: have a family show. Just,
3: okay. to- <laughs> so, so, just so, so you know. So, That's all right. You know, like, this has not been a pretty story I've lived. <clears throat> you know, for some people, that's that's the reality. Mm-hmm. For some people, uh, their journey has been one where they have been just hell-bent on getting ahead because of the stuff inside they didn't want to feel or be. Mm-hmm. And so you look at their life. And it doesn't look like a life of overt failures. It looks like a life of success after success after success. But if you actually get inside their heart and their psyche and ask them about how they feel about their life, sometimes they will say, Yeah, I've done some great stuff. And there's some stuff I'm not so proud of. Sometimes they'll say, Yeah, I've really thrived in this area of life, usually in business, but over here in relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Not so much. Um, Or it's like, yeah, I've done a lot. But deep down, I know that there's so much more that's possible for me. And I've never felt like I've really hit the mark.
4: Mm. Wow. Wow
2: with the name mark i can you know i can relate to that
1: yeah Yeah, don't hit him
2: right no i i I do that i do enough of that believe me it's it's been uh yeah
1: so jeffrey i'm really curious how did you get into this type of work
3: (laughs) the same way everybody else that i've just spoken about Uh,
1: so you went on your own journey
2: i've been
3: on it um
2: your blank show yeah
3: yeah uh What's interesting about this idea of your life's journey as the training program for your life's work is that the training program is often hidden in plain sight. Mm. So I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the journey side, but there's a pattern piece I wanna speak to because this is where I find the magic when I work with people It's really finding the patterns uh, that we have lived through and the patterns we serve from um and I'll, I'll talk about that in a couple of ways but uh one of the bits is this um i know that i'm here to help leaders tell humanity's new story mm. that there is a new story that wants to emerge for us as a people uh and that that new story emerges in every area of life so uh in every system uh in everything we touch So I spoke about my client in Germany, uh, a new story around economic systems globally, right? There's that. Mm -hmm. I also have a gal that I worked with last year who uh, uh, is one of the top dental hygienists in America. (laughs) Yes, there are such things, right? that go around and lead trainings and teach other hygienists and whatnot. And she's on a mission around improving oral health care in senior care facilities because our elders are dying from dirty teeth wow um, they aren't being attended to the the uh, it's not it's not it 's not in any laws and it it doesn't pay the facilities to bring in professionals for deep cleaning and elders often forget to take care of their teeth don 't brush they get dental disease, and it kills them um, oh, you know so so she has a new story for uh-huh. oral health care for seniors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I don't care if it's Fantastic. about global economic systems or oral health care and senior care facilities or about a new way to be in relationship with with your beloved or anything in between. The people that I work with have a vision for what could be, and they have a message to tell to share that vision and further it in the world. So... At one point, uh, as I got into this work, and I can share a little bit about my like journey into this, but I noticed that I was really gifted at helping people put language to what they do, right? Mm-hmm. I was teaching purpose work uh, early on, and um, people would be like, oh, but," blah, blah, and I'd say, well, just say this. And someone would come out of my mouth about how to talk about their work and they'd go, Oh my God, that was it. Right, Let's say it again. And usually I'm like, wait a minute, uh, where's my recorder? Right? Yeah. You know, and I was usually like, uh, I have no idea what I just said, because it just streams through. And then, you know, we're 26 minutes into the call, go check out the recording. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I was talking to, you know, my inner spirit, my guidance around like, why 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 is this so? Like I don't have a degree in English, I don't have a broad uh, a degree in broadcasting, I don't have uh, a communications masters, like anything that would point to uh, why I'm good at this thing. And I remember my guidance just kind of taking me, <laughs> taking me aside for a minute, right? Uh, and pointing out kind of this movie I saw of my life and you know it was like okay well I went to school for music uh, mm-hmm. I was a broadcast engineer for an NPR station broadcasting messages nationally mm-hmm. uh, I taught choir and sang and I've sung in stages around the world which is broadcasting messages -hmm. Then I got into the web conferencing industry and helped get that industry off the ground. And, you know, when I worked with these world leaders and CEOs and whatnot, uh, it was the beginning of web conferencing, and people did not know how to take their stage presentations and bring them into an online format. And so I would work with them and train them and host these web conferences of, you know, often thousands of people. And I was the host and whatnot. And broadcasting their messages in real time. And, you know, my spirit just said to me, like, Jeffrey, you've, you've been in broadcasting your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right there. Now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have framed that all as broadcasting, right? Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't own that frame until this message came through. But it's so wild because for every one of us, there is a hidden pattern to our life. That has trained us and set us up to be the perfect agent of change for the work we're here to do. Um, and that's the piece that fascinates me most is is helping people find the pattern that makes sense out of their life and helps them step into their authority around the work they're here to do.
1: Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's, this
3: is. Th- thank you.
1: I can. So I, I can, I can just say
2: from from just just my perspective, but the articulation of that is like yeah. wow. Th- that I think in terms of the times that we're in right now, I mean, I cannot imagine a more necessary career field. So thank you.
4: Yes, yeah. Yeah. Very much.
2: And okay, so then then there's paying the bills.
3: Yeah. Oh, that bit. Oh That's, yeah, the, oh that yeah, bit. that
1: little deal, how, especially how, how, right how how now.
2: That, how does that how does that
3: work, Jeffrey? <laughs> money and meaning, spirit and
2: commerce. I'm, I'm listening now. You have my attention. So <laughs> right, uh, how does right. <laughs> yes. how do you
1: marry the the meaning and money piece yeah. without all the baggage?
3: So, one of the things that I always say about calling is that to receive a calling is a receptive act. You received it it came to you from where from whom and why mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i have an assumptive uh, running belief that if you have a calling that there are people out in the world that sent the call right mm-hmm. that have a yearning in their heart for what you've got and hmm. your job as one who got the calling usually it starts like this right Step one, life disrupted. Step two, we go on a quest to figure out what the heck this feeling's about. Step three, we learn, we grow, we build skill uh, and capacity. Step four, eventually we wanna share what we've learned from our own journey and make sense of it. And that's usually when it's like, okay, how do I make this a full-time gig instead of just the thing I like to do, right? Um, and to me, that starts with looking at the underlying who for your calling. Who is this calling designed to serve? And from the who, then we can go, and what do those people need that on some level only you can deliver to them in the way that you would deliver it to them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third question is, and why is that thing absolutely a necessity for them? Why is it so valuable for them to get this thing from you? Mm -hmm. From the why, then we go, and how might you deliver it in a way that works for you, that brings you alive, that fits your skills, that absolutely addresses their need in a way that they would go, oh, that's super valuable. I want to pay you for it. Mm -hmm. Right? Ultimately, around a biz- any business, there is a basic thing that we have to keep in mind, which is uh, finding that problem in our ideal audience that they're aware of, have pain around, and would be willing to spend money to address or solve. Mm-hmm. They're aware of it, have pain around it, and would be willing to spend money to address or solve it. If you don't have that, you don't have a business. Okay. Okay right? That yeah. that brings it down. That really, yeah. So that's that's like where you need to land. Uh-huh. How we get there, though, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's start yeah. with the who, because the thing that most people do around a calling is they're trying to get it, they're, they're trying to wrap their hands around the what more than the who, right? The what and the how. What is this thing and how do I do it? Uh Right, please help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 usually, and when I work with people around like uh, uh, their message, right? That's where uh, I hang a lot. My hat a lot. Uh, my message isn't working. People aren't responding to 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 what I'm putting out in the world. Why? Uh, I uh, the first place I look is, well, who are you talking to? And usually, the answer is either. I don't know, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or it's insufficiently direct and specified. In other words, it's general, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks versus having this laser focus on exactly who you're talking to, because that's where you're going to find that need, that burning need that they're aware of, have pain around, be willing to spend money to solve. So we always need to go back to the who, right? If you think about like a great book or an article you read that really moved you or a podcast episode that really spoke to you, usually those are ones where it feels like, oh my God, they were talking just to me,
4: mm-hmm.
3: right? Like you were speaking right to me mm-hmm. and you don't even know me at, on a personality Human to human level, you don't even know, but archetypally, wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were inside my head and inside my heart. Mm-hmm. uh that's the place we need to be to be effective change agents who are entrepreneurs, right? Or entrepreneurs okay. for that matter. <laughs> entrepreneurs, uh, change agents inside of a uh, organization. Uh, Oh. They're entrepreneurial inside of an organization as an employee instead of being outside of an organization.
2: Wow. Oh,
1: cool. I haven't heard that before. I had
3: not heard that
2: word. Neat. I like it. That's that's, yeah. that's cool. I don't spend time in organizations usually. so yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, Mark, you know, I went to school for music, right? I have a degree in music <clears throat> ed and a degree in vocal performance. So when I ended up, and I even as a kid, I would see like weird jobs like roadies, uh, mm. and, and, and I'd be like, how do you get those jobs? Not that I had the lifelong quest to be a roadie, <laughs> but like, like, how do you get these? Like, I never thought I'd be a nine to fiver, um, mm. you know, and even like adults would look at me and they'd be like, oh, you know, ask kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a dentist, right? And they'd look at me and they'd be like, what are you going to be when you grow? <laughs> What
2: category is that gonna fit into?
3: Like, even the adults seem to know. Like, yeah, this one's not like the others. Um, well, that was very
2: complimentary
3: of them, wasn't it? Was, oh my God! When I ended up at Microsoft, I was like, "How the heck did this happen?" Wow. Um, you know, like, how? Like, oh. uh, But I'm so glad because it really allowed me to have a deep, rich experience. I was in a bunch of startups before Microsoft. Uh, mm-hmm. then, a you know, big multinational company and then my own entrepreneurial journey. So I'm able to serve a wide variety of people because of that experience. Um, uh-huh. you know, so, but l- let's go back to the who let's not m- lose that one. Because if there's mm-hmm. one thing I hope people can get from this, if they are saying there's something more for me and either I'm already doing it, but I want to do it better or more or with more impact or I'm not doing it yet. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the place to start, in my opinion, is yeah, you need to wrap your hands around the what uh, uh, certainly, um, but the missing piece oftentimes is the who. Now,
1: so let's let's actually no. hold that thought for just oh, a moment because uh, we are actually yeah, flying. time is flying by. Oh
3: man, because
1: we we need to take a short break real quick. Um, And then we'll pick right back up. So before we go, though, we hope that you're enjoying the show and this conversation. And so whatever platform you're listening to it on, please, 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 we do hope you'll give us a five star review and definitely share it with your friends and family. And right after the break, you'll hear a wonderful song by singer songwriter Laura Berman. She's toured nationwide, performing at Centers for Spiritual Living, Unity Churches, and in the Jewish community, sharing her soul-filled voice and songs at services, workshops, and conferences. In fact, we've seen her before, and she moves us every time. She's performed alongside Reverend Michael Beckwith at the Agape International Spiritual Center, as well as authors Neil Donald Walsh and Marian Williamson. So stay tuned for her song, Come As You Are as well as more from Jeffrey Van Dyke, right after this.
0: In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's best indie book, award-winning kids book, his music and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Ann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit com.
1: listening to Rise and Shine, and that was Come As You Are by Laura Berman. In connecting with her about including her music, I learned that she also sang backup for Enya on the David Letterman show and has a featured song in the children's film Clifford's Really Big Movie. She has five studio albums and is currently writing new songs to support the transformations and healings taking place in our world. So definitely check out her music at laurabermanmusic.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-B-E-R-M-A-N music.com.
2: So we're here today with Jeffrey Van Dyke talking about the power of stories, among other things, and, and how to use our personal stories to build connections and a thriving business with meaningful infa- impact. And so, Jeffrey, we were... Uh, I'll,
1: just well, talking about the who. The, we, the who, that's, yes. that's right, that's right, and who, thank you. He had some really who. important
3: you know, things to and, share.
2: And, and so that, that was why I was drawing a blank on it, because I'm having such a hard time with the who, in, given
3: that,
2: <clears throat> okay, I, I have this this children's book. For example, as, a, as an example of a challenge of finding our who. Um, so what would you say to a children's book author who... Uh, feels like my mission is to bring families closer together um, by using a, a children's book that can involve the whole family in telling a bedtime story, for instance, and and to and that that would give the the child a, a closer connection to their grandparents uh, and build that bridge. So it it winds up being the whole family. So I'm I'm kind of at a loss of who my who is, you know, yep. directly.
3: Yep. Yeah. So let me share a little bit about patterning and story, life story, personal Mm -hmm. story, and then we'll get into how that sheds light on who it might be. So when I got into this work, I I started after I left Microsoft, uh, went into coaching. I, I was a corporate trainer, went into the coaching world. And, uh, fortunately for me, uh, pretty early on, I, I got a mentor, right? Classic hero's journey. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, this guy named Tim Kelly, who has an amazing life purpose process called true purpose. Uh, and I worked with him. We brought the work to Israel and other places and taught around the world with him. Um, What I saw in the purpose work is that our life's stories, our our biggest challenges, our core wounds, are the training program for our life's work, and that there is a pattern to the wounding, a pattern to the challenges, and a pattern to the stories. Um, I'll talk about that in just a second, uh, but let me just go to the next chapter for me to shed light on it in marketing. Uh, after working with Tim for a number of years, I built a company with a woman named Suzanne Falter, but at the time was one of the, the kind of big wigs in building your online platform to get known uh, for your message, uh, get booked on TV and radio and all that good stuff. She'd work with our clients and, uh, you know, come up with something that was really powerful and sometimes the clients would freak out. Um, like, oh my gosh, I, whoa, that could be really successful. Like, whoa, that could be a multimillion dollar business. And while there's excitement around it, sometimes there was also fear of that success. Like, I don't know mm. if I can handle it. Um, that would mm-hmm. be a really big business. Mm-hmm. And they'd shy away from it. And then they wouldn't like launch. And that's like, that. I didn't like that. <laughs>
1: That would be frustrating. Oh, man.
3: You know, we do put all this work into supporting them and then they don't launch. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started Mm -hmm. working with our clients around why that was. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I worked with Tim, one of the things we did was look at people's fears about finding their purpose and actually help with a bunch of tools, help them clear those fears out of the way. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the reason people weren't getting clear about what their thing was is because they had a lot of fears about what it would mean to their life if they actually learned what it what it was. You know, staying fuzzy about something is the best way to not have to do anything about it.
2: Is that why it took me thirty years to
3: finish my something book? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, I, I wouldn't. I, I, this, yeah. this is starting to sound familiar.
3: Okay. You know, will I uh, will I have to move to Calcutta? Will I be able to make uh-huh. any money at it? Will I be any good at it? Will my spouse like me or support me? Fill in the blank.
1: What are people gonna think?
3: What mm-hmm. are they gonna think,
1: uh-huh. those
3: people? Yes. Oh. Yes. Um, uh-huh.
2: yeah. Lots of things to be afraid of. Right. Oh, man.
3: Yeah. Uh, and when all those are in place, it's really hard to have the space of listening and discernment for what your purpose actually is. Mm-hmm. So we had tools for clearing those out of the way. Well, I started to employ those tools with our marketing clients and started to see that their life, uh, Suzanne would come to me and uh, say, oh, I, here's their here's their uh, brand, here's their market, here's the market's craving. And I'd say to her, I could have told you that. Like given the life they've led and the wounds they've had, the challenges they've had, the experiences they've had, like of course that's the market, and of course that's the market's craving because it mirrors the journey they've been on, mm. right? Mm -hmm. At a pattern level, at an archetypal level, because answering your calling is a hero's journey. It is an archetypal journey. But each hero's journey is an archetypal journey around different patterns. For some people, it's a pattern of betrayal. For some people, it's a pattern of, I don't belong. I don't fit in. For some people, it's a pattern of, I'm too much. For some people, it's a pattern of, I'm unwanted right? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Or being silenced. Right. I don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not seen or heard. So (sighs) I started to develop a body of work based on this connection because I started to go, well, okay, if your life's journey is the training program for your life's purpose, then doesn't that also tell us who you're designed to serve? at a pattern level, that if you were a Sherpa who've traveled this one mountain range over and over and over and over again in your whole life, doesn't it make sense that you would guide people through that same range?
2: Mm. Wow. That
3: makes sense. That totally makes sense. You know, I mean, if I'm going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro, like I want somebody that grew up there that knows the ins and outs out of it, not somebody who's like, I've been up once, I'll take you. Yeah, right. Right. Kn- knows what to snack on along the way,
2: and for you know, sure.
3: Yeah, right. Ooh, the weather just changed. We got to stay at base right. camp. Uh huh. Um, right. I also don't want to hire a sherpa that's like, oh well, I'm a sherpa on this other continent, on this other mountain range, but eh, it looks sherpa just like here, this sherpa one. there. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> that makes sense. I love that metaphor. Oh, that is I a
3: know. really good one. Yes. So, especially when it comes to like people who are in the coaching or therapy professions or something like that. Oftentimes, they get trained to serve anybody around any issue, um, which the tool set can do. Like, yeah, a hammer could build any particular type of house. But what are you actually designed to build, right? Not Mm -hmm. just because the tool set can do it. Where's your heart? Where's your soul? Where's your calling? Where's your life's training program? Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, I grew up... in a incredibly homogeneous society uh, of Holland, Michigan. I was born in Holland, Michigan, filled with Dutch people. My last name is Van Dyke, right? <laughs> uh, we had windmills. We had tulip time parades with clown dancers that, that danced in wooden shoes, oh. Um, oh. right? People had license plate holders that said, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, That's great. You know, and this was the land of uh, Calvinism, John Calvin and my Dutch ancestors who said, ooh, the Dutch and Netherlands are far too liberal. We need to move to America to be more religiously austere. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've have any sense of me so far?:
1: You fit right
2: in
3: probably <laughs> yes
2: <laughs>
3: right. my spirit didn't do so well there. Yep. Oh man uh, And then uh, <clears throat> come about first grade, we moved my family, my parents moved from the uh, Dutch Reformed church into evangelical fundamentalism. Boy. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, dancing the aisles, getting slain in the spirit, speaking in tongues. Uh, immersion. Deep immersion. Church twice on Sunday, every Wednesday. And they put me in those people's elementary school. Mm. Uh, oh. Immersion. Mm. And uh, the whole system was set up around this one question. And every, every church service, there was an altar call. Uh, which is, uh, you know, Pastor Bub. If you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you leave this building today and get hit by a car, that you're going to heaven. I just want you to raise your hand. I right? just raise your hand right <laughs> now.
2: Uh, You've been there. I, I
3: hear that. <laughs> you can hear that in the voice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, lived it. And uh, yep, I You know. You. So there I am as a seven-year-old. Hmm going, well, do I know for sure? Mm. I I couldn't come up with the answer. You know? Mm. Uh, But the people that we judged in that community were people that were called backsliders. People that had been saved and then gone back to their worldly ways and needed to get resaved. And you didn't want to be one of those people. So I, I, I would sit there Sunday after Sunday going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but I don't want to raise my hand. Mm -hmm. And they would talk about, you know, when the Deuteronomy, this uh, last book of the Bible, uh, you know, when the sky turns to blood, when it was a really red sky, you know, as a seven, eight year old, Mm -hmm. if nobody was at home, I I would, it it was going to be this rapture where everybody would get snatched up and go to heaven who was saved. I'd look in the backyards to see if there were a rider lawnmowers with nobody riding them because oh. I had saved and I'd been left behind.
2: Oh Wow. Oh.
3: That's
2: heartbreaking. That is. The mom is that... and me wants
1: to give you a hug.
3: <laughs> you know, uh, believe me, the, the mom and me has had to give that boy a lot of hugs. Oh. <laughs> mm. um, and then the summer I turned 13, I was on the beach with my big sister, Kim. And, uh, you know, in Holland on Lake Michigan and uh, filled with Dutch people, all these young blondes uh, in bikinis. And um, I'll never forget, we were laying out, because it was the 80s, with our copper tone on, and uh, my sister's three friends came up, and we're laying out, and I remember looking up, these three beautiful young girls in bikinis, and their boyfriends. And... uh, you know, there's the girls and I look over here and all I can see is washboard abs, mm-hmm. like in neon, right? Like I just, I, I, my eyes just couldn't divert and I look back and forth between them and just this sinking feeling in my gut, like, oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Mm. Wow. And that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Like, okay, I really am damned. I really am going to burn in hell for all of eternity. I really am not just an outcast in my society, but an outcast from God. Right? Mm-hmm. So when he asked, like, how did you get here? Right? How did you get into your work? <laughs> well, it starts there. Oh, man. Uh, because what I know is that my audience are people that have never fit in Mm. and I don't care if you're like my client in Germany who's been a senior exec at the tippity-top of the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. uh, or a musician or an author or anything in between, (sighs) my audience, right? You ask her. When I first had my consult with her, she always felt like an imposter, like she was going to get found out that she really didn't fit there, Mm. right? Uh, especially because like, she sees the world in a really different way. Now, what I know about the leadership I'm here to support my people in uh, and stepping into is that the holy role of the outcast is to be the Mm way-shower. That's why we're called to tell humanity's new story, right? We've been on the outside looking in. We have a different vantage point on the world than the people that always fit in easily.
1: I love that reframing of the outcast. Can you just repeat that for me, please? Because that just felt like a big, warm universal hug.
3: Yeah, the holy role of the outcast, our holy place in this world is to be the way shower. Mm. holy role of the outcast is to be the way shower. No wonder it feels so lonely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. now here's where it feels most lonely feels most lonely when you know that you're here to do something, but you're hiding out on some level. You're not really doing the thing you're here to do. You're doing thing adjacent oftentimes, the safe version of the thing. (sighs) Uh, What do you mean by that?
1: I I mean, I know we've heard you talk about it, but I'm not sure it would be clear to listeners what you mean by that.
3: there's an author, uh, Stephen Pressfield, who wrote a book called uh, *The War of Art*.
1: Mm, that's a good uh, book. I've read that
3: one. Yeah, among other great mm-hmm, books. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget. There was another book uh, he wrote. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. But uh, they're all short and they're all great. Um, but he talks about the uh, uh, the these adjacent careers, these purpose adjacent careers, like how many talent agents do you know in hollywood that have four or five unfinished movie scripts in their desk Mm -hmm. right or in a file on their computer Mm -hmm. right uh or uh when i work with um you know people around their message oftentimes there was this previous judge who i worked with a few years back who had this system for um unions and employers to work together more effectively. Uh, and she she was tiptoeing around what was really going on. She could see it, but she didn't think the market could really hear it from her. Mm-hmm. And so she was tiptoeing around and trying to make everything palatable. And a lot of times, especially with corporate folk, right? We wanna make stuff sound corporate y. Um, and mm-hmm. what, and, or, or I don't care, you might be like total, like, light worker with crystals and all that (laughs) and you want things to sound certain super light worker-y. Some way to fit in. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be cast out for this thing that I'm here to do. Do you hear the pattern?
4: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh Right?
3: So what do I do? I try to make it palatable for whatever my audience is by putting it in the language that's not going to ruffle their feathers. And then what happens is the message gets boring. It gets generic and watered down and absolutely dismissible. And then we go, well, why am I not having the kind of impact I'm here to have? I know I'm meant to be a way shower. I know I'm meant to be a change agent. I know I'm here with a message for the world. Why is it not impacting the way I feel it inside? Guess what? There's a filter between what you feel inside and what comes out your mouth. And that filter is largely for my audience because of my patterning around two basic archetypal patterns, belonging and power.
4: Hmm.
3: I want to belong, so I'm going to make this palatable. That's the first one. And once we get through that, then usually we, we bump headfirst into the power wound, which is, oh, crap. Can I really handle the kind of impact I know I'd have if I really did the thing, if I really said what I'm here to say, if I really let the guardrails off? And that's usually where we go, there's some part of my life that's unhandled, and if my life grows, the wheels are going to come off the bus, so I'm going to keep everything kind of a little small. Mm. You've said like once you ten times the, the when, out- you, when you ten x your success you ten x your mess. Mm. That hit me hard the first time I heard that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Man, wow. And
2: so- that's every time. That's you. You're sure of that you really. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he wants
1: to be the exception. I, not, I, want
3: to, I really don't want that to be. <laughs> that let
1: me that, give that you, doesn't apply to me. That's
3: yeah, right. <laughs> sure, let me give you, really, sure, me give you uh, two examples around oh. these two pieces. Um, first around the idea of pattern and market, because we're going we're gonna to pick that back up. Uh, there was a guy I worked with uh, a little while back who was a consultant in Silicon Valley. And he got good referrals, but he was not great at marketing, outbound marketing. So he came to me to help with his message, right? I do his, what I call a life PhD. That's the life history intake I do. Um, the training your life gave you for your work. And uh, his life PhD was rife with betrayal. giving up for adoption, his wife left him for his business partner, just over and over and over again. Oh, betrayal, 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 betrayal. Okay, there's the pattern. So I said to him, look, And it was largely men he worked with largely uh male ceos in silicon valley and i said look the guys you're going to be working with are going to share this betrayal pattern you know and i'll never forget him looking at me like i had three heads like you know like (laughs) hi i'm a silicon valley consultant for ceos who have a betrayal pattern so this is unconscious we can't market to it directly which is why uh telling stories so powerful we can get into that maybe still in this interview um, but uh, I said, yeah, they're not going to be conscious of it, so we need to find out where the pattern shows up as a symptom that they're aware of, have pain around, and are willing to spend money to solve. So we said, okay, if you have a betrayal pattern, where does it show up? Well, you don't trust people. All right, and if you don't trust people as an executive in Silicon Valley, where is that going to cost you? Well, if you don't trust your executive team, huh. and if you're a CEO who doesn't trust your executive team, what problems going to emerge? Well you're going to be the bottleneck and your innovation is going to slow down or halt. And if that happens in Silicon Valley, you're toast, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now we know that he's an innovation consultant for small to mid uh, startups. And we know that it can only be up to a certain size of business because, uh, the business can't grow any more than a certain size if you're the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Now, when he talks with his CEO, uh, as a prospect, the first thing he asks is secret fishing questions around betrayal, which sounds like this. So tell me about your executive team. You know, do you rely on them? Do you trust them? Uh, how do you all work together? And he's listening for betrayal because he knows if the betrayal pattern's there, this guy is somebody he can, I'm going to use my language for a minute, someone he can minister to. Mm. Someone he oh. can serve deeply because if the betrayal pattern transforms mm. the innovation, the bottleneck thing can go away. So he's not avoiding them. He's actually actively okay. recruiting them. Mm. Wow. Wow! Sherpa. I'm a Sherpa for betrayal. Oh. That's where I've lived my life.
2: Wow. Okay, These um... are the
3: people I know. Yeah,
2: so I'm, I'm I'm really I'm having a moment here. So can... pardon me, but that, that that's <laughs> y- you're you're smacking me somewhat between the eyes here, Mister. So yeah. thank you.
1: Well, and every time really we have been on one of your webinars or anything you've done, we've had those moments. It's like it's this amazing, and we are getting close to our actual official time. Oh. And so I'm How does hoping that happen? Ah. we can continue okay. the conversation can, for can, a few minutes Can we after... keep this going
2: a little bit? Uh, would you mind, Jeffrey? Yep. Oh my goodness, we got a few minutes. Awesome, thank <laughs> you so Let me say
3: one real quick thing, Lori, if I can, Lorian. Yeah. Yep. Uh, around the book, the families you're looking for are families that share the patterning from your life, Mark, mm-hmm. and where they have specific symptoms that they're aware of have pain around or willing to spend money to solve. And you need to find what those symptoms are that come from the pattern of your life in their family system and how they talk about it and frame the book as a way to address that problem. That's how you market that book. Can I, can I just say, I love you, Jeffrey.
2: I just, ah, ah, okay. Thank you. Just wanted to make sure we didn't
3: leave that. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: And Jeffrey, where can people (sighs) really find you? I know I think you were referred to me by a friend initially. You've got a number of different websites. So where can somebody listening find your work?
3: The most direct place is thecourageousmessenger.com. Thecourageousmessenger.com. And uh, pretty much everything we do is there. Uh, Lots of resources, lots of... uh, interviewee things, articles, all sorts of stuff.
1: Wonderful. And, and, well, and that's, where they, that's where thank they get on.
3: Oh, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll
1: I have to cut you off. All I'm right. sorry. We're oh. at our time. <laughs> I really okay. do. So, okay. so next so. week we get to talk with Portland's own first lady of the blues, Loranda Steele. She is going to share with us her journey of being a single mother while building her music career, and share with us a very special announcement.
2: So until next week. Oh, already. Wherever you are,
1: there's time
2: for remembering to
0: rise, rise and shine.
2: shine. Stay tuned.
0: Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Life. The sound of the joy.